0: Love Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. First show of the new year. This is exciting. Now, we're talking about vertigo and balance issues, causes and solutions. <clears throat> now, we're going to be talking about some censored stuff this evening. Uh, this, so, And that's going to be on the drbvip.com site. And if you are listening to this rebroadcast or listening to it live, All those people that are supporting us on the Dr. BVIP, thank you. God bless you. Um, And your help is extremely appreciated. I mean, this cost (laughs) literally thousands of dollars to put out, and your help is appreciated. Um, Since we've been shadow banned and demonetized, um, click on the link to join the Dr. BVIP and Extreme Health Academy. I just finished about three and a half hours' worth of work this past weekend. Um, Extreme Health Academy, get on there, Bergman14 is your code, and you get on there for two weeks for no charge. Okay, so let's look at the brain. When you're talking balance, that brain is everything. Okay, now you've got certain parts of it. The small brain on the back is called the cerebellum, and this is all the information from your whole body, synapses there. Now, that little brain burns 90% of the body's oxygen, so it's hungry for, for O2. And this is why if oxygen levels go low, the body's going to kick the legs out to get the brain level with the ground. Uh, we've got other parts of the brain, such as the frontal lobe, and that's where anxiety, stress, impulse control, depression, huge Um, Then we look at the vestibular system. We're going to look into this in detail as well. Now, this is located within bone. It's almost impossible to dissect holes. So I'm using a couple of artist renditions that are amazing. But now this uh, can be affected. This is also where hearing and balance are. Now, dehydration. Blood poisoning, food, medications, drugs, Uh, any altered input to the cerebellum can affect this, and a mechanical obstruction of the eustachian tube. This means that if you have um, a sore throat, because the eustachian tube, the tube that drains the middle ear, drains through the back of the throat, so any type of throat infection can put pressure on that inner ear, and this is going to make you feel a little bit queasy, uneasy. And the eye is attached to this. It's actually connected, has part of the sensory input. We call it the vestibular ocular apparatus. Now, this is huge because if what's going on inside of your head doesn't matter what you see, that can cause nausea, vomiting, throwing up. And this all has to do with your body's um, balance, okay, and proprioception. Now, the cerebellum influences the front, uh, frontal cortex. This is huge. When we're looking at the little brain in the back, okay, have you ever heard of schizophrenia, Tourette's, autism, Parkinson's, bipolar disorder, obsessive compulsion? Okay, now I know some of these words have been bad by Stanford, um, but, hey, we got to say them until until they ban all the languages we're going to um, get a couple of free we're going to utilize our freedoms that we used to have. Um, so this is creativity, planning, emotional uh, regulation, reward seeking behavior. So the cerebellum is everything. Now, the cerebellum which is the back half of your brain, Um, the brain, you've got to look at the entire structure of the brain. brain weighs around one kilo, about two to three pounds, burns 30% of the body's calories, 90% of the body's oxygen, and it is constantly, constantly growing new new neuronal connections. Now, movement communicates through the cerebellum. So movement is absolutely vital for healthy brain function. And this is also what we're going to do to restore um, balance and integrity. Now, 96% of all brain disorders come from toxicity or deficiency. And, and you might think, first, I want you to look at your body as intelligent. And I know the doctors aren't, and the media isn't telling you this. Um, but your, your central nervous system is the very first system to form. Like when that sperm hits the egg and divides um, two cells into four into eight, 16, 32, 64, it begins looking like a mulberry blast because it's just loaded with cells. Then it flattens out into this trilaminar disc, and then the disc folds, and that fold, is literally called the neurotube. It's the start of the central nervous system. Then all the organs in your body grow off of the central nervous system like fruit on a tree. So the nervous system is the very first system to form. And the nervous system controls and coordinates every function of the body. Um, Now, the key with the nervous system is you've got a couple of parts. One in the autonomics nervous system And this is going to control breathing. It controls respiration, food digestion, immune system function, everything. Now, when we look at this, health is not lack of symptoms. Like if you drop a brick on your foot and you have some kind of neurologic damage, you're not going to feel it. If you drop a brick on your foot in a normal human being, you're going to feel it. And it's going to hurt and inflame. So so health is an intelligent adaptation to the environment. And this means high blood pressure, high cholesterol, uh, cortisol, low functioning thyroid, all of those things could be a healthy adaptive response. A disease is an unhealthy adaptive response. Okay, so that means you're adapting to these um, stressors in an unhealthy fashion. Uh, Now, why is this important? Well, when we look at balance, you've got this automatic nervous system um, controlling uh, every function. Now, the digestive system, we call it the gut brain or enteric brain. Now, this gut, and when we're talking brain function, is hugely important. Uh, now, the second brain consists of sheaths of neurons embedded in the walls of the intestinal tract and in the gut. Um, Some say it contained more than 100 million neurons. This is more than either the spinal cord or peripheral nervous system. The gut is the second brain. Ninety percent of all the fibers in the primary visceral nerve, this is the vagus nerve, carry information from the gut to the brain. Now, wrap your head around that. Think of this. The, The vagus nerve does every function in digestion, excretion, motility, everything. Okay, but 90% of its function is to get information from the gut to the brain. That is hugely important. Now, we have three stressors, physical, chemical, and emotional. And this is huge. Physical stress could be trauma or it could be lack of stimulus. So now we have to look at, at the input into the brain. Now, environmental stimulus has to do with every kind of movement or sensory input. All of these stimulus um, synapse or go up to the cerebellum. So your body, based on your perception of the environment, and this is the key, your perception, not what's actually happening, um, will respond in an appropriate fashion based on your perception. And i got to keep saying that because if you think, um, uh let's say you've trained all your life and you're stepping into the ring, you're probably excited because you get a chance to show your skills. If you haven't trained your life and you're stepping into the ring with a guy that may hurt you, you could be in a stressed state. So same circumstance, different perception. Now, Um, when we look at this, there are certain things that can negatively affect the brain. And this is either affecting the brain, neurotransmitter production, gut function, all of these things. Now, obviously, medications, um, certain medical interventions that we can't talk about, toxic food and environmental toxins. Isn't it interesting? Now that January 1st is around, California actually has a law that prohibits doctors from relaying information. I just thought that was interesting. Um, So now, uh, if you're a medical doctor and you say something against what the government narrative is, you could lose your license. Okay, but let's get back to this, okay? What kind of things negatively affect the brain? And there's going to be medication, toxic foods, and environmental toxins. Also, mineral depletion. Pesticides, glyphosates, fluoridation, all of these things can damage the brain. Now, drugs, and these are ones that have multiple effects. Obviously, if that brain burns 90% of the body's oxygen, 30% of the body's calories. If you're taking blood pressure drugs, drugs to lower oxygen um, or slow down the pressure of the blood, does this help oxygen of the brain or slow it down? and this is why when you look at how they've lowered and raised and changed what they consider a normal blood pressure um and heck in 2004 it was 115 over 75 that blood pressure so low that people could be passing out and if if and this is when you talk to someone that's taken multiple drugs and if one of them's a blood pressure you say now, you're slowing down the the pump. You're slowing down the pressure in the body. You're lowering the blood pressure. Does that help oxygen to the brain or slow it down? Okay, so this way, they start to understand that blood pressure drugs, calcium channel blockers, ACE inhibitors, all of these things can negatively affect the brain. Um, Cholesterol-lowering drugs, um, uh, acyclovir, drugs for suppressing viruses can negatively affect the brain function. Um, uh, You're talking antibiotics, anticonvulsives, barbiturates, benzodiazepams. These are for anxiety, stress, insomnia. Um, They found out that for every one blood pressure drug you take, your risk of stroke increases. Why? Because if you're taking a chemical to lower your blood pressure, knowing that that brain burns 30% of the body's calories and 90% of the body's oxygen, and that oxygen is carried via the blood, if you lower your blood oxygen, the arteries or blood pressure, the arteries are going to constrict to elevate blood pressure to get it up to the brain. And cholesterol-lowering drugs. Cholesterol is 50% of the overall weight of the brain. It's the precursor of every hormone you make. So in our insane society, where a doctor will prescribe a cholesterol-lowering drug, even though cholesterol does not clog arteries, um, here's an article out of Review of Clinical Pharmacology, um, quote, thus the epidemic of heart failure and hardening of the arteries that plagues the modern world may be aggravated by the pervasive use of statins. We propose that current statin treatment guidelines be critically reevaluated. Yeah, that would be nice. Or, well, you know, what about garlic instead of aspirin? Um, here's Inflammopharmacology. Um, and this is 2008. Quote, garlic may provide an ideal alternative to aspirin in atherosclerotic prevention. Yeah, isn't that interesting? So eat more garlic. Could that be part of the Mediterranean diet? How does that have protective effects? Could be. But also, you're exposed. And this is, we're going on the brain. Okay, Um, there are so many chemicals that are like hormones, but not really hormones. They're called endocrine disruptors. And this is in everything. It's in food, personal care products, cosmetics, certain medical procedures, um, pesticides, plastics. It's everywhere. And when you're looking at these, um, the systems that are affected by this, and and we're looking at certain diseases. Um, Have you ever heard of breast or prostate cancer, endometriosis, um, diabetes, metabolic syndrome, early puberty, obesity? The chemicals involved in this are estrogens, progesterones, um, phylates, formaldehyde, MSG, and organic chlorop- um, pesticides. These are dangerous stuff. People are exposed to digoxin, air pollution, um, PCBs. This is why um, the absolute inundation with endocrine-disrupting chemicals and the disease susceptibility You're looking at lowering of the sperm counts, I mean everything. Um, You know, you're looking at um, when you hear of digoxin, halogen hydrocarbons, heavy metals, this is female sexual development, male sexual development, Um, uh, circadian rhythms, uh, how the body can sleep and regenerate. Uh, lipid homeostasis, this is the fatty acids. So the chemicals that your body is exposed to, you have physical, chemical, and emotional stress. If you're exposed to toxic chemicals, the number one organ that's that's susceptible is the brain. Now we know, and I've got a document here from 1936, that says our soils are severely depleted of... Um, Minerals or mineral salts. Now, this is hugely important, um, only because uh, when you're looking at this, the, the without minerals, you can't utilize vitamins. And in 1936, they said, "quote Laboratory tests that prove our fruits, vegetables, and grains, eggs, meats of today are not what they were a few generations ago." And that is, pe- and this is 1936. Now, they're also adding certain things like monosodium glutamate, MSG. And it's still in canned soups, crackers, salad dressings, frozen. It's even a baby food formula. Now, studies show that this um, has been linked to Alzheimer's disease, uh, Huntington's disease, damage to nerve cells in the brain. So when we're talking about getting people healthy, and I say, look, um, no food in a package, no food that's processed, because MSG is still not illegal, and it should be, but it is literally linked to neuron death. Then chemical sweeteners, such as NutraSweet, Equal, and Aspartame, these are incredibly dangerous for the brain um and glyphosates glyphosates uh, it's uh, like foodintegritynow.org is a great site dr huber is brilliant uh quote we pretty much sacrificed an entire generation of our children the longer we go on the more damage that's going to accumulate dr huber and The things that glyphosate, and this is sprayed on every non-organic bread, most of the soy products, most of the high fructose corn syrup, which is the number one source of calories in America, depression, Parkinson's, MS, Alzheimer's, neurotoxicity, and think of this. We get patients with every one of these conditions, cardiovascular, gastroenterology, uh, gastrointestinal diseases. Um, reproductive toxicities. We, we get people all the time. And so what do we do? Physical, chemical, emotional stress. Look at the chemical toxicities. Here's one out of uh, the Department of Environmental and Occupational Medication, Medicine at Aberdeen University School in the, in the United Kingdom. Um, they're saying that pesticides and head injury are one of the sources for Parkinson's and acetaminophen, okay? You've got an antioxidant called glutathione that protects the brain. Paracetamol uh, or acetaminophen actually depletes glutathione. So if you have Tylenol or acetaminophen or par, um, paracetamol um, in your closet, uh, don't give it to a friend and bring it to a chemical waste dump. Now, you have a barrier between the blood and the brain, and this protects the brain. The brain gets most of its nutrients through cerebral spinal fluid, which is produced inside of the brain in the choroid process. Now, um, or choroid plexus. Now, this fluid neutrifies the brain, then flows down the spinal cord to give nutrients to that. It's amazing. However, there's a barrier that doesn't fully form until kids are about in their teenage years. And there certain things that can cross that blood-brain barrier, Okay, like heavy metals, aluminum. Um, you know, all of these things are toxic. Um, there's a certain injectable that has a spike protein that can actually cross the barrier as well. So it's dangerous. So when, when we look at that fluoride, also um, is dangerous. It's neurotoxic, and aluminum is neurotoxic. So uh, you don't want to be uh, cooking in aluminum pans. You don't want to be injecting aluminum inside of you, and there's a lot of injectable medications or procedures that have aluminum in there. Um, Dangerous. And fluoride increases aluminum 833 times So fluoride and aluminum together are incredibly dangerous um, for neurotoxic. I mean, incredibly dangerous. Now, um, when we look that cholesterol-lowering drugs um, suppress the T-cell count, there's certain T-cells, these are the ones that help protect you from a lot of different diseases, but also cancers. And this is why we're going to be seeing a large rise in cancer deaths from, um, well, from certain injectable medical procedures. So now, we know that all medications and anything that negatively affects gut um, are going to affect the brain. We know that poor movement affects the brain. We know that environmental toxins affect the brain. So how do we heal the brain? Number one. Fix the, the poisoning that your body has gone through. If you're taking a medication, and this, this means that you're taking um, something that is negatively affecting your, your body. <laughs> you know, how do you say this? Okay, if you're taking a blood pressure medication, find the friggin' problem and fix it. Don't just keep taking, taking the, the drug that is damaging your brain. If you have movement deficiency syndrome where you're not moving, get your body moving. I mean, this is just a half hour of exercise every day will make a huge difference. Um, If man makes it, you don't eat it. Okay, this means that you're cooking organic, healthy foods. You're cooking natural, organic, healthy foods. This is, I cannot express how important When you're looking at the vagus nerve, the one nerve that governs all of the digestive tract, 90% of its function is to communicate to the brain. Neurotransmitters are produced in the gut. So you want healthy brain function, healthy gut function. This means that that you have got to get um, a healthy gut function. This means fermented foods, but you've got to deal with the physical, chemical, and emotional stressors. And if you are taking chemicals or toxins like a lot of people do in our society because we are in a very, very sick society, um, and the only solutions presented by the people in health authority are more toxic chemicals. So we have to change this world. Now, exercise, and this means moving, symmetrical. We'll even treat... Um, balance and vertigo issues by treating it like a stroke, where we do cross-crawl exercises, which is hugely important. The cross-crawl exercises where you're sitting and you're moving one arm up and one arm back or one leg up and one leg back to keep that symmetry of movement, plus walking barefoot on the grass or the hard sand. It's literally all the stuff for stroke rehab. You know, exercise... um, Helps with neuroplasticity, okay, and this is literally one of the most things the most important thing you could do. It's like moderate exercise can reverse normal brain shrinkage um, by two percent, effectively reversing age related uh, degeneration by one to two years. So moderate exercise where you're elevating your your respiration by at least fifteen to twenty minutes helps blood flow into the brain and helps keep your brain cells alive. So what's the bottom line? You've got to avoid processed foods. You've got to avoid genetically modified organisms. You've got to avoid um, artificial and processed sugars. Pasteurized or homogenized dairies are out. Um, Commercially produced meats with hormones and antibiotics are out. Uh, unhealthy fats like corn oil, canola oil, soy oil, completely out. And even I, I just, I got a bunch of patients in Asia that use rice bran oil. That one, you cannot use rice bran oil. It it actually is poisonous. And <laughs> the advertisement of the rice bran oil is, oh, my God, it lowers cholesterol. You need cholesterol for hormone production, um, and and it's 50% of the overall weight of the brain. So you need healthy fats. And then movement and um, look at injectable medical procedures because this is hugely important. Um, And there's certain... um, This is is where it gets challenging. Uh, There's certain injectable medical procedures that can damage the brain. And in fact, certain um, technologies that involved uh, mRNA transcription, actually can't. were designed to cross the blood-brain barrier. So this is hugely important. You don't want things to cross the blood-brain barrier. That's not good for you. So when we talk about proper nerve supply, regular exercise, reg- what, what, so what is that? Proper nerve supply means you're clearing the interference that could possibly be there from past injuries or insults to your body. What does regular exercise do? It increases your blood pressure, it detoxes your system. And if you're doing symmetrical movement, you're getting good stimulus up to the brain and that's good cerebellar stimulus. So regular exercise isn't just moving your body, it's actually getting your lymph flow, helping oxygen to the brain and detoxes your system. Um, When we say proper nutrition, that means if man makes it, you're not eating it. So this is going to be um, healthy fats from avocado, coconut, olive oil, Um, healthy fibers from every type of fruit and vegetable, and and eat for color because all of these are going to have healthy enzymes um, free from preservatives. And if it's organic, you're going to get some healthy bacteria to build your gut flora. So there are so many actual advantages um, that in utilizing um, healthy natural foods. And remember, you've got the gut-brain connection. Uh, but if you are in a stress state, your body isn't going to have the good digestion. So nerve supply, exercise, nutrition, and then sufficient rest, Does that mean that you go to sleep, you sleep all night long, you don't get up once to pee, and you wake up refreshed? Yes, that is possible. And prayer and meditation, hugely important. And when you're talking brain, if you have little incidents of of balance or vertigo, do the deep diaphragmatic breathing. Deep diaphragmatic breathing is mind-blowingly important you need to have good oxygen to that brain in order to have that brain function correctly. And I know it seems, it seems just bizarre. How can good nerve supply, regular exercise, proper nutrition, sufficient rest, prayer, meditation, and breathing fix most vertigo? Well, think of this. Again, if you had heard of caribou, we're talking 60,000 animals strong, and one of them was dizzy and fell down or had a brain issue. You'd look for direct trauma or you'd look from some kind of poisoning. And that's the same thing with human beings. You'd look for a direct trauma or poisoning. It's, it's <laughs> well, I was, I was going to say it's not rocket scientists, but it's, it's common sense that is completely eluding the chemical-based medical system that we have, because we do not have a system based in common sense and health. This is an education process that we've got to retrain the doctors. And the majority of doctors really do uh, want to help people. They really, really do. Except they're trained in a completely ignorant where they're prescribing toxic medications to alter adaptive physiology or an adaptive physiologic response. Um, If you get those small incidents of slight vertigo in through the nose, out through the mouth, (sighs) diaphragmatic breathing, diaphragmatic nasal breathing is one of the greatest, greatest defenses that you can do. Plus, deep respiration getting that air out, you're breathing a lot more in carbon dioxide out. You're breathing dead cells. You're breathing waste products, everything. This is why you do not want to be wearing a mask if you're thinking about you're being human. Um, but, you know, we're in an odd world today where uh, health authorities are telling you to cover your face. And unless you're horribly ugly, don't do it, okay? <laughs> even if you are, beauty is the eye of the beholder. Um, this is a great way to start the new year. And even though 2022 and 2021 and 2020, um, it looks like our world's being taken over by insane people, uh, no, the pendulum's going to swing back. Common sense is going to um, prevail. And... Um, God bless you all. This is Dr. John Bergman, your voice of common sense and reason.